What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Ponko Chicken. Ponko Chicken, if you did not already know, is a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine. Uh, there are stores, if you're not familiar, um, all around the Atlanta area. Uh, there's one in Marietta now. There's one in Buckhead. There's one in Shambly. There's one in uh, Midtown. They're popping up everywhere because Ponko is awesome and uh, they're like family. So um, go check out Ponko if you have not already. It is the home of the award-winning Japanese-American chicken tender. Just to brag on them a little bit more, they were Verizon Super Bowl Live top-selling vendor, three-peat Taste of Atlanta award winner, um, Midtown Alliance Best Taste winner. Just they won all the awards because Ponko is great and Ponko is delicious. So if you are in the Atlanta area and are looking to try something new and good and delicious, go check out Ponko Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. Uh, also, if you have not already, go check out chasemonspodcast.com. It's where all of my episodes to all of my podcasts are, all of my writing that I do, uh, more information on me and who I am um, and why you should be listening to this podcast and reading my work and all of that great stuff. Go do that. Go to Chase Thomas Podcast today. If you're an Apple Podcast listener, go ahead and leave me five stars and a rating and a review. That's great. I need it. Um, it helps the show continue to grow and all of that good stuff. Um, you can listen on SoundCloud, Spotify, like I said, Apple, Google Play, everywhere where you can get your podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast will be there. So go do that today. Um, all right. I think that's everything. We can get into today's episode. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Welcome back to a Friday morning edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast. If you've been singing Lucha Bros, Mexicans all day today or all day yesterday, it's because they won a match on television this week. And that is a good thing because the Lucha Bros are the best. I, I love them very much. And to talk about only the Lucha Bros pinning yes. Adam Hangman Page on yes. Dynamite this week, then this is the podcast for you with Mike Pellucci of The Athletic. Uh, Mike, good at morning. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing great because I'm going to spend an hour talking about that pinfall. Just a whole hour of it. Oh, my God. It was great. And then the after. Okay, so AEW this week, we have to start there because it's my favorite show. It's the best wrestling show on television. Shout out to them beating out uh, NXT by 200K this week. Um, I thought it was weird how many just like weird long camera shots were going on in this show it felt like they needed this show to be an hour and a half and it was a two-hour show so there was just these awkward pauses before we get to like kenny and tony shivani these awkward like long baker <laughs> things and you're like what are we doing this is taking too long we need to speed this up why are they wasting so much time um but 
the page stuff I thought was really good. And I love where they're going with Adam Page and him just like not being a part yeah. of the entrance. And then um, <laughs> I love the backstage thing where they're like trying to figure out what's going on with Page. And they take the beer away and then he, <laughs> he has a picture of slowly rolls a pitch. Like he, the comedic timing, very strong. Um, yeah. I love what they're doing there. Yeah, no, I, I think like just AEW in general, uh, I'm going to, you know, I think uh, Trevor Dame on Twitter, who I, I very much, maybe my favorite wrestling accounts of all these days, had a very good point the other day, which is like about AEW, which is essentially if you have three really good angles at the top of your show and your, you know, upper, you know, in your main events, your upper mid card scene, then you can get away with a whole lot of stuff. And they have it now between Jericho and Moxley, between Cody and MJF and Hangman and the Elite. Like those are all three really nuanced, really good stories that keep us coming back every week. So when you do that, you can do a lot of other stuff in your undercard, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You know, I I, I think everybody's mileage is fairly down in the dark order as to you think for the time being. Uh, but then you have another thing like I'm enjoying the undercard, Joey Janela, Kip Sabian, Penelope Ford thing. Like I'm entertained. Is it going to be headlining a show anytime soon? No, but can you put that like in an opening match of pay-per-view or just like a good TV match and I care? Yeah. So, you know, they're hitting their stride. And I think all three of those angles, I, I, I mean, it's gotten to the point now where I can't even decide which of those top three angles I like the best because they're all of them are just humming along so well. I think right now, maybe the hangman of the elite thing is so intriguing to me because I can just see it going so many different ways, especially with the wrinkle of like wrapping up Kenny and, and pack. And it's kind of like, all right, well, you know, it's a tag team thing, but it's not a tag team thing. How are you to work that timing into it? I feel like the inevitable thing that we're all waiting for is somehow, you know, Kenny and Hangman drop the belts, Hangman turns heel, and you have a Kenny-Hangman feud, which I would be completely here for. Uh, but how long are they going to tease out? I'm all for a slow burn, especially because I was somebody who, you know, I knew they would execute the Cody-MJF feud extremely well, but I thought they pulled the trigger on it a little early. So I like the fact that they're teasing this thing out and they're drawing it out and they're, you know, I think we've all been expecting page to turn heel for a while now and they haven't done it yet. And I like the fact that they're making us, they're finding new ways to tease it every week, to make us watch every week, but they haven't had to put that on the front burner yet. And that's, that's the mark of good booking right there. The problem with, so I agree with you, especially in the top three feuds front. Um, I still like I'm with you that where I thought that they were going to turn page over the last couple of months, especially after his because like they they planned, I think, originally coming into AEW as him being the top babyface and the top babyface yeah. champion and plans changed. Um, he actually has gotten over, though. And the last cu- month or so, he's been cheered. Um, cowboy shit's over. I yeah. have lean more into i think they're actually going to naturally organically reinvent him as a baby face and the stuff with kenny is good and i think there's a way to do tension and issues between this group without actually turning page i wouldn't turn him because i think there is more like him being embarrassed that he got pinned by pentagon this week because of his just own arrogance and dealing with his own issues and stuff like that i think you can do that without actually doing a turn and Kenny's got too much going on right now anyway, especially with Pac um, on the horizon. But Pac's, but Pac's winding down, right? I mean, we've already done this. I mean, you're, not, you're not doing your whole... They're setting this all up as we want a rubber match, and the rubber match is going to be a 30-minute Iron Man match. Like, I just don't know where you're going to go with them after that. There's only a few, four pay-per-views, right? So like, you four, have to draw yeah. that out. 
so I mean, after revolution, you've you you got a ways to go um, to get to. But I mean, but I mean, I could, I could, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, I'm just saying with Pack and with Omega, I think that's wrapping up pretty soon. Like, I don't know, especially when you're putting the belts on Kenny and and Paige, I don't know how you're going to keep that singles feud going when you've already had that singles feud going for the better part of you know AEW's existence on television. I just wouldn't turn him. I think he has real value as a babyface, and I think there's more money in him getting embarrassed and getting his shit together versus him just being annoyed at uh the elite not being a part of the group i don't think well that's interesting to me I, that's just me i would not do it here's the thing like there's the there is that argument in a vacuum and there there is that argument in the reality of aw and the reality of aw is you do not have enough heels on that roster like you have jericho in the top slot you have pack you have uh, MJF, and then what do you have? There's a reason the Dark Order is getting so much screen time, and it wasn't just because apparently Marty Scurll is going to be the leader, and that was a whole big setup to that. Is that you don't have enough heels you could credibly put on television and draw views around and make money off of. So I think their hand is forced on Page. I think they have to turn him because I don't know what else you're going to do unless you split up the Lucha Bros, Lunaburg singles, and make Pentagon a heel, which clearly doesn't seem to be in the cards anytime soon. Uh, I mean. What else do you got? I think you have to turn up at this point. Um, that's a good point. That they're, It's so weird because it's the inverse of their rival company. Because the rival company yes. can't create a top babyface to save their lives. Like, oh, they, they have cool. it. They just don't do anything with them. Right. But they're really good at doing heels. Like, they're really good at creating heels. Um, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. It's, it is pretty fascinating, this whole larger meta dynamic. And so we're at the point now where... I guess, like, if you're asked, you know, if you want to rebut my argument and say, well, what are they going to do? Uh, I mean, I guess you could reveal the leader of the Dark Order, which, I mean, if I, you asked me if I had a place a bet on who that'd be, I would say Luke Harper slash Brody Lee would make sense if, you know, the rumors are. It is. Sure. I think it's Christopher Daniels and he's returning to the Fallen Angel stuff. Which would rule, for the record. Uh, granted, yep. like, I, I don't know how much you mileage you can get out of soon to be 50 year old Christopher Daniels in a, you know, a huge upper card slot as a single granted. Well, I think I he say might that... be like a James Mitchell type where he's just leading them um, from afar. <laughs> well, he's going to wrestle. And, and, and look, if there is, I, I love the hell out of Christopher Daniels. Uh, if there's, he is the most in shape 50 year old I've ever seen in my life. He could still go and like a super nice dude, but uh, how long that goes? I don't know. I always love Christopher Daniels as leader of that. I think it'd make a lot of sense. I also, you know, if you're assuming that Luke Harper goes to AEW, and I'm one of those people who thinks it'll happen, I would really love. People forget Brody Lee had a lot of charisma, and if you've ever seen Luke Harper, the human being, talk, he's actually like pretty charismatic. I would love for him not to play some spooky weird guy like for the first time in a decade. That'd be great. So, I think Christopher Daniels as the leader of this thing would make a lot of sense. Um, I like that. You know what, Chase, you talked me into it. I'm right there with you. That's going to happen, and I'm I'm about it. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, we would all prefer Marty Scurll because Marty Scurll is awesome, but that's not an option. And I also don't love the Matt Hardy stuff. Like, I, I like Matt Hardy, but I do not want him wrestling ever again. Um, is he out of contract, though? I didn't know that. Well, he's wrapping up soon. Like, I know his stuff wraps up in, like, the next month or two. And then Jeff is more complicated because Jeff, they can add a bunch of time served for injury and... Legal so stuff. Yeah, yeah. Of his contract. I mean, Which is ridiculous yeah. Because they're independent contractors and they're able to just add time on these contracts to keep them locked in place. Like, you wonder why morale's bad. 
let's go ahead and freeze I, I just, some contracts when people are injured. <laughs> I somebody, just, I don't. So, yeah. How have we not reached the point in society where some wrestling obsessed lawyer with time on their hands just makes this a practice? Like, because some of these, some, you know, just when you read it, you hear about these things, you're like, how is that legal? Like, you miss time, so we're just going to tack it on to the back end. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, but you don't get health insurance. Don't worry about it. Uh, like, I don't know. I feel like this can't totally be on the up and up if somebody really took them a court on it and had the resources to fight them. But that's probably why nobody's gone after it, right? You can't fight the billion-dollar corporation. Yeah. I just, it's always been weird to me seeing those stories and we're all just moving on. Like, oh, okay, well, it's just part of the part of the wrestling world. Yeah, they're yeah. Just adding, um, they're freezing contracts and time served and everything else. Like, that's I mean, the only totally person normal. who... The only person who got a release really quickly was probably ACH. Or, sorry, uh, what was his WWE name? Uh, uh, I mean, Jordan forget. Miles. Jordan Miles, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the only one who actually got it real fast, which I guess, like, if you go as hard as he went on them, then I yeah, guess they're probably like, all right, fine. <laughs> if you want to ruin your whole career, then cool, bro, you're out. Uh, but, yeah, it's a, it's a weird situation. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Matt Hardy, it would not shock me if he shows up there. He's obviously on very good terms with the Young Bucks. They think very highly of him and his brother. Um, I'm with you. I would not love that as a Dark Order idea. I think Chris Daniels would be so much more interesting. Um, and yeah, like whoever ends up being the leader of this thing is going to have to wrestle at some point. Uh, I don't think you could totally just do a, a James Mitchell thing. And I trust Chris Daniels to do that. I don't trust Matt Hardy to do that, even though he's probably, what, six or seven years younger? So... Yeah, uh, but overall, because he has a body. Can you imagine, like, just comparing Christopher Daniels in shapeness versus Matt Hardy and just well, their body I mean, the way they work it? Like, it's insane. yeah, but like, well, yeah, but like, which one of them like had substance abuse stuff going on like through their twenties and thirties, and which one didn't? You know, I mean, Chris Daniels takes care of himself, himself, and that's not to say that like that's not to make light of anything that the Hardys are battling because uh, substance abuse issues are serious, and a lot of times they're not necessarily a person's fault. Uh, but it doesn't change the fact that like it doesn't help you, you know, as you get older. I mean, it's it's really fascinating when you watch, like if you go back and watch old Hardy's patches, you know, Jeff is still fairly athletic, but Matt's body type is so different than what it used to be. I mean, you watch twenty something year old Matt Hardy, and he couldn't fly like his brother, but he was so agile. Like they used to have a spot that they would do. I totally forgot it, but he basically would be running down the ramp, and the guy he was wrestling would be facing his back would be to the ring. And the guy would basically pick him up. Hardy would do a handstand on the rig pit and fall right back down and DDT him on the floor. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, if you told me Jeff Hardy did that, I'd be like, yeah, sure, of course. But Matt Hardy could do stuff like that. But now, I mean, he's just – he's bigger. It's a different body type. And he's just, you know, it's – yeah. I mean, he's not what he once was, and that's okay. He's a great wrestling mind. Uh, I think he still has a lot to offer if he wants to. But in terms of who leads the Dark Order, I also think just at some point I would like to see the answer – being like develop some more people on your current roster because they do have a lot of people i just don't know what they could do with some of those people is really where i'm at but i think you know chris daniel still has a lot to offer and i mean that's he's been a trio for so long getting back to the ring of honor days especially given that you know frankie we've been over this i i think they have more (laughs) utility than you do uh i like watching them in the ring i do agree that like they don't resonate with the crowd the crowd won this week they did they not watch? want the best friends losing to uh, to SEU. They did not. Not what they, did they not. had. No, no, no. I I, I do agree. The best with you friends there. are good. Also, Trent, maybe the most underrated performer in professional wrestling. That dude, if he was treated better, he could be a thing. He is very, very good. Yeah, I do a lot of people. He's as 
I don't know, you know, I don't know if it's just maybe his move set or whatever it is. I've never been huge on him as a single. I've always liked him in tags, whether it was with Romero or whether it's with Chuck. But uh, I do agree he could do some stuff. I mean, I've I, I've always been a, a big Chucky T guy. Um, his PWG run from Cinderella Jobber, who never wins, to being world champion twice is like one of my favorite things. Um, they're just good as a trio, man. And, you know, Orange Cassidy being in there, getting over, like, I don't know. I'm a big fan of it. I, I like I said before, if you're going to split one tag team up there, it to me is very clearly uh, Penta and Phoenix because they're both at worst upper, high upper mid card singles guys. And you I can mean, give Phoenix them some better fronts down the line. Phoenix is going to be the star. Like, Phoenix is just, he has everything. Well, I mean, they both are, man. Older. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, he's like, look, Phoenix to me is, I think, I think I've told you, it's like, I think he's my favorite wrestler on the world to watch because his spots, yeah. there, there are a lot of high flyers who could do crazy shit. He is the only one who consistently week to week will change those spots up in small ways to where I'm, I feel like I'm not watching the same match over and over again. Like he did it twice this week. I mean, that, that, you know, that rope, you know, jump off the rope, jump to the top rope, which by the way, I don't know how he hasn't broken his neck doing that. It freaks me out every time, but then he goes up and then he does that into the senton where he just arches his back on the way up. I was like, that's, that's gorgeous. And I've never seen that. He does all kinds of tricks with the ropes. I've never seen that one before. But then he did that, uh, that tornado arm drag off the top. And I was just like, I haven't seen that before. He's great. And then, I mean, look, man, like Pentagon can't do the things his brother does, but there's a reason Pentagon, when he, every promotion he's been in, he ends up being in the main event. He has that crazy charisma about him. People gravitate to him and he has Lucha Underground showcased it really well. He can work heel and he could get really, really dark. Um, so I think either one of them could be great. I would love to see that. Um, I think, you know, I think you've got to establish maybe one or two more teams before you could probably pull the trigger on that, but they've got a good tag division. And I think, you know, especially for me, like I don't see the Jurassic Express really work. I know they try to push Jungle Boy as a single. I don't really see that happening. I think they're much more of a of an upper undercard tag group. So if you can figure out how to elevate a best friend into this, you should be afraid of best friends when they wrestle type thing. Maybe one other team to go with, you know, the Bucks and to go with, uh, you know, um, the Lucha Bros, uh, or not the Lucha Bros, um, Santana Ortiz. Uh, Oh, can you know, I say something yeah. about Santana real quick? Yeah, that he's great. He it's not that he's great. I don't want to hear that. It. Oh no, it's very positive. He has um very very high upside in this company. I love Sammy Guevara. Yeah. He's going to be a thing. But yep. Santana, I actually would rank with a higher ceiling between the two of them. And that backstage promo he did after that getting so good. in the eye with the keys. He so uh, good. That was like a coming out moment for him, where you're like, oh. This dude pay is this not just going to be a long-term tag team guy. <laughs> he is going to be a single star. I can see it. And like, and I say that not like dissing Ortiz, who I love. Ortiz, to me, like I say a charisma Santana, it's more, you know, it's more traditional of like everything you just said is true. Like I can see the guy being a single being really good. But, but when they're in the ring, I don't think there's anything quite like Ortiz in terms of how intense he is, in terms mm. of just, you know, it's just like this manic ball of energy um, I love, you know, how he just like screams, like, we're the best, we're the best. Like it's a DJ college single, but somehow it works. I love the weird headbutt spot that he does where he just falls and just lays there. I love that he wrestles in like those toe tennis shoes things. There's just a whole bunch of things about Ortiz. That, like, I feel like I have to watch him every time he's in there. And that's why I think they're so great is because Santana is more the traditional guy who could break out as a single, but then Ortiz is so compelling to me. Uh, I really love watching them. And they're a team that I, 
I think everybody, if you watch more than WWE, had known about him for a couple of years, but it's like, I didn't watch much impact. Right. And I moved out of LA and stopped going to PWG shows by the time PWG started booking those guys. So I didn't get a lot of a chance to really see them, but I really dig them. I think they're awesome. This is not breaking news. I feel like everybody thinks they're great, but uh, yeah, just big fan of theirs. Like if, if they, by the time they're done as a team, if they don't have like four or five tag reigns in that company as champs, then like somebody's doing something wrong because they should be, them and the Bucks should be atop that division for a very, very long time. If those are your two best tag teams, then like you're doing it really well. <laughs> I, um, I don't know. I think there's a lot riding on Santana versus Moxley next week where like Moxley needs to do his absolute damnedest to get Santana over as future star. Like there needs to be that same kind of connection that he has with Guevara. There needs to be, um, this needs to be long. This needs to be vicious. This needs to be, are they both Everything wearing eye patches? It could be. Say it again. Are, are they both wearing eye patches? Yes. That'd be fun. I would enjoy that. An eye for an eye. Like, they need, this thing needs to hit. And, um, I don't know. Things like, other things that hit on this show. Uh, the MJF Cody stuff, which. Oh, man. How do we, you know, AEW's doing something right. We've gone this far, and we haven't even talked about that, because it was incredible. I, um,. I couldn't believe you ever just think about like if someone walked in the room when you're watching like, how you would explain something. Yeah. Um, oh, I a hundred percent have because, uh, my wife, whom I love dearly, uh, and who, you know, we, we see eye to eye on every pop culture thing, I think, except pro wrestling. Like she loves sports. Mm-hmm. She like, will play video games. Sometimes she loves board games, TV movies, all that wrestling. is just, she's just like, I don't get how you love it so much. I really don't. So I was just you imagining know, someone I'd... who loved wrestling. That would scare the shit out of me. Like what, what is happening here? This is not how this should work. This should be my weird thing that I, that I love. And I appreciate the fact that you do not get this at all because if we <laughs> both, both got this, that's a huge problem. The world's not ready for two organically. <laughs> just obsessed pro wrestling fans in a relationship you can't have both unfortunately i i mean i have i have a couple of friends who do but either way uh i was Uh-oh. thinking i was like <laughs> if she walks in and like sees like one man whipping the other person with a belt and there's long awkward and like it's not like it's really whipping them with a belt there's no faking any of this i think she'd be profoundly confused and like a little disturbed why somebody's putting this on the like the main event segment of their primetime television show but um, for those of us that keep up with the product and love this crazy Indeed. shit, uh, yep. great move on their part because MJF was just on another level. Like, he is so good at being a heel. Like, his yeah. hit-me stuff up close, like, his yep. charisma is unmatched. Yeah, it's he... really preternatural how good he is at this young age of being a heel. Yeah, he's and like, 22, it's... and he's just a, he's a freak of nature. Like, he's just and he's like, born to and be I a professional love, wrestling and I, and I love that Cody took that piece and like twisted it against him for the storyline of the week of being like, every sits there and says how good of an old school heel you are. Yeah. Cause you don't do anything else because you could argue that's true. Like he's okay in the ring. His, you know, he's not like that jacked. Uh, I don't know what a, you know, when he was supposed to be a baby face with Cody, like he's so good at being a devious piece of shit that like nobody bought it, but fuck, he is so good as a heel. Like he's incredible at it. And I mean, we live in an age now where like, it is so hard to get organic heel heat uh, you know, it's either I, you know, people are half cheering you or if you get booed because they don't want to see you on television. Like, this is why 
like Miz is such a genius because Miz managed to do it for so long. But MJF is that guy now. Like, now you're talking about everybody... language. Yeah. As a, yeah. Just a, a long-term president of Miz is actually good island. Love this. Mike, you're back so, on my good side. We're, we'll get to I, Drew. Have we never talked right about now, how I'm... Fine. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, oh my God. Like, this is a whole thing. I don't know how we... In all these pods, we've never talked about our mutual appreciation for the Miz. But uh, MJF is so great at it. I also love that he gave a lash to Wardlow because it's just that little moment... Yeah. You know, it's it's showcased and like commentary did a good job selling it. Like this is a big dude, and he just swung really hard, and he's really powerful. And now, you know, I think already people were intrigued for the first cage match, and like this dude actually wrestling. But now you're like you're sitting there going like, oh right, he's big and strong. Like, and Cody's already a little softened up. Let's see what happens in a cage. You know, so they did that, and then I mean, I think everybody knew Cody would do well with this. Like sometimes people forget Cody went to acting school. Cody has acted on television. This isn't to say he's going to win like an Emmy anytime soon, but he's like, objectively more qualified and better at these character things than just about anybody else in pro wrestling. And he understands so well how to milk emotion. I thought it was so good that they, you had the, the heel gallery up at the top watching and like enjoying it. And then you had all the people in his life coming down. And I was sitting there going like, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't the only one. I was sitting there as people kept coming out. I was like, all right, all we've seen Brandy in, is just this weird stable thing she's got going on. She hasn't been on TV with Cody in months. Is she going to come down there? And she did. And if you watched the match at all in, when he beat Aldis for the NWA title, Brandy was the star of that match. Brandy was the person who Cody played off of, and it just made everything harder. And so when she came down there before the last lash and Cody's sitting there crying and kissing his hand or kissing her hand, like it really fucking, it hit home. Like it was as yeah. big a home run as you could possibly have. And uh, yeah, that's that's when Brandy's actually good. This is the only time Brandy Rhodes is actually good on uh, wrestling television is for those. Brandy's a good promo, man. Moments. Brandy can talk. Uh, 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 right. uh, Brandy can talk. I, I think Brandy's uh, really good promo. I think some of her stuff is over scripted. She's better than Brandy Rhodes. That's not an especially high bar there, Chase. <laughs> <laughs> I really oh want somebody God. like yeah. I, I really want somebody to go to like Britt Baker the dentist. Like I want to know. Like I'm sure she's great at. It. I just want to know like what normal person Britt Baker dentist is like because uh, I don't know how you maintain. Well, two we're gonna find out in a couple months. There's gonna be some baby face that goes into her office. By the, and we get, like, by the freaking way, can we talk about that rope spot where that girl legitimately lost a fucking tooth? Unless there was a plant tooth. Was there a plant tooth? I don't I think was there was a plant about tooth. That. that had to be fake. That had. I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, if if it was fake, it they sold it. It was multiple teeth. There were like three. It was like Charlie and Always Sunny, where he's just like pulling out his oh, teeth was one it? by one. See, so I'm gonna confess here because I was watching this on repeat and I was kind of fast forwarding through that match because I don't really like watching Britt Baker in the ring. I just don't think she's, she's... bad. She's awkward. She's not a yeah. She's not a natural athlete. And when I say that, there's wrestlers that no, you I watch know. and you're like, oh, they don't have like the natural movements no, where it's totally. like. The Miz struggled well, I mean, with this forever. Well, here's, here's an example of the women's division, right? When everybody hated Eva Marie. And to be fair, Britt Baker is a better athlete, a yeah. much better wrestler than Eva Marie ever was. But the biggest problem with Eva Marie was the fact, like, there were a lot of problems. But the biggest one was, like, she just wasn't an athlete at all. And Britt's yeah. not that bad. But Britt, I agree, Britt, like, looks like she's stiff out there. Uh, I That's think really she thing. works. She's stiff. She's very yeah. stiff. And she works better. As, I'm glad they turned her because you, you need a heel. And also, like, I think... But the problem is, like, I think Bray is getting a bit of some X-Pac heat. I'm just like, I don't think people really yeah. enjoy watching her. Um, but you may as well lean into that because nobody was going to be behind her as a face. Like, she's the epitome of someone who you just 
you want it to work and on paper it should work really well but then i even like her finisher but then you get in the ring and it's just like it's not working um and i think the issue is that it's not really her fault that they don't have a filled out roster yet like the men's roster well, i was gonna say done. it's perfect i was just like, about to say more, the biggest gap the biggest gap between not even just WWE, but just NXT and that is NXT's women's division is so stacked and AEW's yep. is really not. And Brit is being pushed into doing some heavy lifting that I don't think she could do. And I agree. Like, I think that's asking a little much of her, but at the same time, if you asked her, would you rather be the face of your own show or another person in NXT? She would pick this. And with the opportunity she's got, it's just not really working. And I don't know what the solution is. Like, uh, I love watching Chris Statland under the ring, but I don't know how much an alien gimmick is going to work in 2020. I don't know how you get out of some of this. Like, so you put the fucking belt on Nakaro Shida because she's awesome. I guess. I mean, I think she's good in the ring, but like, do, I, how many people oh, really care about her? I will not. I will not uh, handle any negative uh, Hikaru Shida slander on this podcast. All right, she's fair good. enough. Love the strong style. She her kicks hit, man. She's good. I enjoy watching her wrestle. I guess. I just. I'm sitting there going, like, I mean, if. I don't know. I don't think she could be the, the star of the whole division. I think you got to have her as part of a group. I don't, there's nothing about her that really stands out to me as like, and to be like, just as, and maybe they haven't given her the screen time to really show it or the character development to really show it yet. Maybe that's that, but I'm not sitting there going like, Oh yes, this is the obvious person. The belt should be on. I think they're putting the belt on Riho because they don't have an obvious person that you're like, Oh, that's the person who should have the belt right now. And I like Riho for what she is, uh, which is like an underdog who somehow wins. The problem is you can only milk that so long in a, in a, like a championship role. That always works better when you have the chase. And I, if I had to guess, I bet they put it on Nyla Rose and then they wait for a while. But I think you can get away with a heel champ that people are tired of rolling through people as you find other people you can build around versus you can't just have the underdog somehow miraculously beat a bunch of women that nobody's heard of every week and you're trying to establish because then all you're doing is like it, it immediately mitigates any credibility before they build the credibility if that's making sense like if you have an underdog beat a bunch of people in a row who the audience already knows and is familiar with and knows is like oh they're good then that builds up the underdog without damaging the people they're beating if you just have an underdog beating people who nobody knows yet and can't even assume that they're good because we haven't had time to watch them that just damages the credibility of both those wrestlers and the underdog for winning because it's like maybe this five foot two 90 pound girl really is better than all these people and what are we watching here so they they have to get the belt off of her i like her i think there will be a time and a place where she can be champion again but i think when you're building a division of people nobody knows you can't have her be on top yeah, or just put the belt on Bia Priestley so they can get Will Ospreay in there. Right in well, I mean, look, yeah, that would that would be good. Bia Priestley is good. Will Ospreay is amazing. Uh, also, at what point, like, why are we waiting on putting Penelope Ford in the ring? Like, really, what are we waiting on? Like, Penelope Ford is athletic as hell. Uh, clearly, familiarity with the audience. People like her. It's not like yeah. you are teaming with options. Why is she not in the ring? Why is she just Kip Sabian's valet? I don't understand this. That's a good point. I didn't really consider that. I wonder if it's part uh, because they have so much input on AEW that I wonder if that's something she prefers right now. Like, what's I, mean, like that? I, look at I guess prism where I she wonder... she wrestled on the Indies. It's not like she was just when she was. Like, well, yeah, I, just, I wonder if she's like, I'm good right now, or I'm good on wrestling. I'm good with just fouling. Like, I wonder if that's literally something she's requested. I, I guess that's a good point because I'm sitting here every week. I'm just like Penelope Ford is at least as good as anybody they have right now, if not better than most of them, and just. It, 
baffles me that she's not in the ring. So hmm. at any That's rate, should we talk point. about, should we talk about the other company? We should probably talk about the other company. Um, yeah. <sighs> so Drew had a great promo on raw and poor Mojo Raleigh getting his head kicked off immediately. Like that was great stuff. But this episode in the first hour had two squashes. It's amazing how different these companies are in the way they book things. But like mm-hmm. a, there was um, Tom Phillips who ran, like he was running through. I like, I don't have my notes from raw in front of me, but the, I had written down, I'm like, they are happily broadcasting that they're doing a rerun. Like there was multiple moments where they're like, and last week they're going to, cause it was Morgan versus Lana <laughs> to start off. They're like, She's going yep. after it again, blah, blah, blah. After last week getting the win, we got another rematch. And blow. Like, they're hyping yep. up a match that just happened a week prior. And it goes for, like, 30 seconds. It was awful. Liv Morgan's still, like, a star. And I think she still has a crazy high ceiling. And the fans like her. And she's a really good babyface. And there's I didn't like the thing I read the Harley Quinn gimmick. Like, I enjoyed that she was different. And now she's just, like, more of a traditional blonde. And I feel like. We've done that a million times. I think it's going to continue. I think she's going to be able to get more of her character out as the months go on. I hope so. She's very athletic. Yeah. She's also just likable. There's just an aura around here where you're like, this is going to work as a baby face forever. Um, That finisher terrifies me. The finisher is going to fail at some point in a very bad way soon. Like, it's just not a... Yeah. I mean, and I don't say that because it's her. I say that for anybody. Like, if you were depending week in, week out on jumping through the ropes and getting a flatliner all the time, like, that seems dicey. Uh... But yeah, like, but also stop doing rematches every week and stop doing these oh, squashes. Yeah. These squashes it's don't exhausting. help anyone. I hate this so much. They well, I take I take it back. The there, there was there is one example, and this is probably like because WWE is a dumb company. They probably took this one example and like, oh, it worked then. Let's do it for everybody. It worked for Braun. It a hundred percent worked for Braun. Uh, because when he got out of the Wyatt family, we were just like, oh, it's the big O from the Wyatt family. And he's continually beat the crap out of different people week in, week out, week in, week out. And then you slowly built off of that. Then you're going like, okay, uh, I guess Braun's a thing. And it worked out better than we expected. And I guess like, look, they are in a weird spot with Drew. And we're going to talk in a minute because as Chase knows, I am the leader of the Drew McIntyre Brigade. I am a hundred percent for this dude being a star. I have wondered he sends for me years. Videos, folks. I'm sorry. What now? He sends me evolve videos. His his love is real. Oh oh! I thought you said the evolve videos sucked. I was like, hey, that promo was. Quite- <laughs> don't you even? I know you're just like you you're really defensive. Way. You're like, hey, what the hell, man? Uh, yeah, he was great. Um, I'm the big big Drew believer. I have wondered for years why he hasn't been on top. I have constantly been like, give this man a run. I didn't believe it was actually going to happen. Now, not only is it happening, they, they're they trying to microwave this thing like three months. Yes. Like we, and this is entirely their fault. This is not Drew's fault because Drew has done well with what they've given him. But they, you know, look, he's NXT champ. He gets hurt. He goes to the main roster. They pair him with Ziggler, which don't get me started on that. Then it ends and they don't do anything with him forever. He's kind of just like that incompetent. He's, he's basically in that, you know, incompetent upper mid card heel, but he's imposing. So you get, take him seriously and you do this for a while. And then just eventually people were like, Hey, shouldn't he be on top and winning? We like this guy. And then to WB's credit, they actually listened to the fans because so help me if they gave Roman the rumble again, they would have undone all the progress they made over the last year and a half of them. Uh, and now we are at the point where like, especially when you put this in the main event slot, like, Mania is a face show. They always let the face go over at Mania. They're not going to, I mean, 
Does anybody really think Drew isn't winning at Mania? I think he is. I don't think so, he's winning. I think he's winning. I think they have decided, like, I think they, when was the last time the heel won the main, the main event slot at Mania? And maybe that's why they do this now. In which case, I'm going to sit there and go, like, uh, what do we even, that was a money in the bank cash in, though. One, one okay. in a traditional uh, one-on-one wait, one match. Wait, did Lesnar not win? Wait, when was the last time Lesnar won at Mania? I mean, I'm trying to Hold think. Because like, uh, he didn't... I thought he beat... Wait a second, wait a second. He beat... Didn't he beat Roman at WrestleMania? Uh, when? Hold on. I'm pretty sure... Two years ago. Roman. And he was main event in that slot. Because mm-hmm. Vince loves the hell... like. I mean, obviously, the very notable example is like, but you were going years and years back, and I'm sure there have been some times in between, but like the last one that I. 34, re- yeah, he beat, he beat Roman Reigns. Okay. Um, so here's, there's that. I mean, obviously, the most notable example, you know, this century is the Austin turn on Rock. Um, I think. It's going but, over Booker T. Can't forget that one. Was that the actual. Here, everybody hated it except Triple H. Uh, and they did that one wrong. And I think. I guess, like, to get to my main point, right, like, I think they're trying to build you up very quickly, faster than they should have, to offset a year plus of stagnancy from them. And so now it's just like, we're doing squash matches, and we're like five weeks away from Mania. Uh, The combination of that... This is what you do in July. (laughs) You do this in July. And that in in concert with the fact that Drew is one of these people, and they have a lot of these people... Uh, I think Drew is an A-plus heel. I saw it involve when he led a heel stable, and he was just this ruthless, terrifying, soulless human being. But it was kind of like this demagogue personality. Basically, it was right when... This is what I've always read hot and had everybody uh, on the indies. And this was right when everybody was leaving you know, NXT. Basically, like you had the Johnny Garganos of the world kind of freelancing for NXT. It's that period. And when WWE was kind of... you know. You had a, their first working relationship with Evolve. And you had Drew, who was released by WWE, you know, talking about how he came to save Evolve because he had been champion. And now all these people are a bunch of hypocrites about how you love this company. And then you're just going to work for the machine. And he has no time for any of that. It was great. Drew the heel is great. And it works very well with him because he's six foot five and he's a big badass and he can beat the hell out of people. His personality and his skill set and his size works for that. Drew as a face is fine. Drew can be a face. Uh, but if you are trying to microwave Drew as a credible person and you are trying to do that as a face, which is not as natural to him, and then you're going to let him go over at Mania, there's a way that this falls flat. I really hope that doesn't happen because I think he's phenomenal and I think he has the skills and the, you know, just everything. For example, I was, years ago, I was doing, when I was with Vice, I was doing, I did a story in the Young Bucks and it was maybe a weekend in Dallas when I was there doing, you know, I was shouting them around and I was in a conversation with them and a couple other people. And then, you know, somehow we were talking about WWE and it, you know, McIntyre had just been released. And I think it was Nick Jackson, Nick or Matt. One of them was like, if they don't want that guy, what do they want? Because it, he's so perfect for what you expect WWE want like in a lot of ways what everything that they try to push Roman as I think Drew is like Roman six foot three Drew six foot five and bigger uh, he's much more charismatic he's like much more entertaining on a microphone to me um, I think he could absolutely be a star if they did it right I just worry that they're not doing it right 
But they're going to put the belts on him anyways because I don't think it serves anybody if you just job him out to Brock again because who are you going to let take the title off of Brock unless you really push Kevin in the summer or the fall? If you let Kevin Owens take the title off of Brock, everybody would be here for that. I think that's a good idea. But the problem is, is that what are you building Drew up in service to? I guess just the fact that Brock could beat people his own size? I don't know. I'm pro Drew McIntyre. I don't love the way this is going and being built up. I will still be happy if he wins. I hope he will have a good rate if he wins. That's the TLDR version of this. Yeah. Um, was it, it was you who was texting me about, like, we're getting Drew versus gender this summer, and they're going to bring up the 3MB stuff. That was not me. That was not me. But oh, oh was God, that? You mentioned that to that. me, and I was like, oh, my God. That is exactly <laughs> what they want to do. Vince is all oh. about this, gender versus Drew for the summer. Oh, my God. God, that would be. Oh, I mean, listen. There are a few things That's that I would enjoy right more. There. He's coming back from injury. It just—it's actually TV. not a bad idea. It's actually like—it's a terrible idea. What are you talking about? That is an awful it's, idea. It's an awful idea with your main event program. If they job Drew out and it's big card, then it—you it, know—you need something for Drew to do. There are look. There are a few things in the world. There are a few wrestlers I love more than Drew McIntyre. There are a few wrestlers I hate more than Drew Hall. There are a few things that would make me happier to give WWE my money than to watch Drew McIntyre Claymore kick Jinder Mahal in the face. I would love it so much, Chase. It would make me so... It wouldn't be immediate. So... You'd have like nine minutes of rest holds and just Jinder Mahal yeah, Drew walking around to... with his weird skinny ankles. Yeah, no, this would be terrible. <laughs> oh, man, that's, that's Jim Stop Chase coming out right there if you're, if you're picking at his skinny ankles. <laughs> he doesn't make any sense. His body doesn't make any sense. He has the smallest yeah. ankles and then like this crazy upper body. It makes no yeah. sense. I, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, yes, you know, Slater would get involved somehow. Uh, you know, it would probably... Oh it would probably well, it would you know probably what? Slater's up... actually good. He's actually good. I will ride I like... for Heath Slater having a role. Slater... In like, how is he not the Orange Cassidy for somebody? That's what I want. I want him to be well, just, it's just such a around... It's, yeah. it's just such a different vibe, you know, and it's just like between companies. Like, there is no room for an Orange Cassidy WWE because it just takes itself more seriously than I think AEW does. But, I mean, look, yeah, I mean, and I'm already envisioning this of, you know, Drew is the face, and Jinder comes back and he assaults Heath, and then Drew rides for Heath, and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but Heath makes things better, and I'm fine with him being involved in this. Like, he's very clearly, there's very clearly the best person to come out of 3MB and the worst person, and then you have Heath, who is solidly in the middle of this. If you, so help God. me, you are, I know this you are about to sit awful. there and say I don't want any of this. <laughs> You know what I want? How about you just pick a baby face that like has gotten over naturally. He's been treated as a top guy for months. The fans would actually enjoy watching him. Just do Kevin Owens. Just put the belt on Kevin Owens to make it a fun show. It That's would not be. Do. It would not be a podcast. It would not be a podcast with you and me if we were both caping for Kevin to be the champion. I agree. I would love it. They give him a standing ovation after that six man tag. Like yeah. again, if you to me the only justifiable reason. Drew does not win, even with the buildup being as shaky as it has been. The only reason you don't put him over is that the whole plan is to let Kevin be champion. In which case, because I think Kevin versus Brock with Kevin's baby face would get Kevin over as a mega baby face. And I think, I think that'd be the first time in a while Brock gets real heel heat. I think it'd be a little more split mania with him and Drew more than it should be because they haven't built Drew up as a face as well as they should have. But if you do like SummerSlam, Kevin versus Brock, and Brock drops the belts, you can make money off of Kevin for so long. They won't do this. It's too smart for them to do. But uh, yeah, like That's I'm true. They are doing Roman Reigns versus Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania. So well, we, also, we, we, we all knew that was coming. Um, but good God. Well, 
You talk about are, a, are a you, stink bomb, that there's no way that it will not are be you a stink ready? Bomb. Well, and like we're at the point now where like they have already built up Ray as impervious to anything. So we're going to have Roman yeah. fear him literally 15 times. And I'm not here yes. for that at all. It's going, oh God. You talk about ha- people just sitting on their hands. It's just those guys. Yeah. It's a gigantic waste of time. Um, and it's just going to, it doesn't hurt. It, the Fiend has hurt more people than it's helped at this point. Um, I don't know what Daniel Bryan does yeah. now. Uh, mm, yeah, I don't know. Credit, credit to him for making this work as well as he could have. Um, you know, and look, like I, I, I like Bray. I was always in the mind that they screwed up his, you know, cult leader character run so badly. Uh, and then they lucked into this, but this was always a short-term shelf life thing where I thought if you managed Bray's old character, well, he could become like a Neo Undertaker type figure, but you can't, I, I just don't know what you do with Bray. This thing has a shelf life and I just don't know where you go from there with it, but credit to getting it more over. Like, do you remember when those promos were first coming on the firehouse, you know, f- uh, firefly yeah. Funhouse thing? I mean, everybody thought that would bomb and he, made himself into the hottest thing for like a quarter year out of that. Good, good for that guy. That's I'm happy fair. for him. Yeah. Um, he just should be champion. He's bad for the no. product. <clears throat> he's bad well, for the top guys. He's bad. Well, for, and you, he's bad you for this business, dilemma. if you will. Well, he's good for the business in the short term. He is, but he was red hot and people gave a shit about that guy and paying attention to him in the beginning. Now it's just the reaching the logical that is, conclusion. Though, you and I watched the product and we watched the matches. And when people were doing this, I was like, have y'all not watched a Bray Wyatt match ever? Like, right, he's not I good. Know. He's a terrible wrestler. Like he's one of the bottom three <laughs> in the company. Like I love his That's character. Harsh. I love his promo work. Firefly Funhouse. I was all about it. Then you put him in the ring with Daniel Bryan. You're like, oh, fuck this. Like that's... You always are like, this is awesome. And then you get the big time match and you're like, oh, he can't deliver here. He's just not good enough. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think he's a better worker than you do, but th- I mean, we'll never find give me out. Give your because... favorite Bray Wyatt match of the last three years. Just give me one. Well, yeah. When I mean, has he ever it... delivered in a big Mania match or a big pay per view match? Give me one many... that's been just I... an A. Plus. Well, I mean, how many did he actually get when the company was behind him, right? Like, when they, to be like, it's, it's, the problem is the answer I'm going to give you could very easily be argued as Daniel Bryan carried him because I thought Daniel Bryan both this time and I mean the feud with him originally where Daniel Bryan joins the Colts and leaves the Colts was good. That was very good. Um, you know, but they just never gave him opportunities to show it. And then you pair him with like, what was the big spot he had in Mania when he dropped the belt to Randy, which one he shouldn't have dropped yep. the belt to Randy, but two, like Randy doesn't, you know, Randy is basically you know, your steady guy. Randy is, that's why it's great that he's working with Edge, but we'll get to that. But I know Randy, we haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. Yeah. Randy isn't like the charismatic in ring star. He is very subtle and skilled at what he does. So you can't put him with Bray and expect Bray to do all the flashy shit or the really compelling stuff because Bray is not great. I don't think Bray is great, but I don't think John Moxley is a great wrestler. But John Moxley is a main uh, event guy. Ooh, I disagree. John Moxley is a very good professional wrestler. I think I, I don't love John Moxley matches, but I don't care because John Moxley is so good as a character and understands everything he's about. And is so compelling as a persona. I'm going to watch. You could succeed and not be a great pro wrestler. Um, I thought Bray had a lot of that wow, stuff going. Wow, I guess we're fighting. <laughs> I guess we are. <laughs> uh, <laughs> apparently, cause I, 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 to me, he was always the least compelling in-ring dude out of the Shield, but he was my favorite dude out of the Shield because he was so good at the other stuff. Like, I love John Moxley. This is not me hating on John Moxley overall. I just don't think he's a great in-ring wrestler, and that's okay because if you are a compelling enough character, you could do that. And I thought that they had a chance with that with Bray, but they just undercut it and kneecapped it so many times like they have so many other people 
that we never found out. Case in point, uh, if we're going to talk about the intercontinental title scene, nothing wounds my soul more than Cesaro and Sami Zayn being Shinsuke Nakamura's lackeys. It kills me every time I see it because not only are they probably two of the five best wrestlers that WWE pays, they're both a lot better than Shinsuke Nakamura, and they, they're sitting there hyping him up. And thank God that dude dropped that belt. Like, I don't know how Brock IC or Braun IC champ is going to go, but I could not have cared less about anything that Nakamura did with it. I'm so glad it's over. The sweet, sweet, sweet release of that title reign. Oh my God. I agree. I'm glad that it's over, but now you're, now we're going to see the problem. And this is something that I've um, opined about for the last couple of years is that Braun is over and that's undeniable. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to find something for him on the show. I don't enjoy Braun's shtick. I don't enjoy his matches. I think he's bad for a lot of people. Like it, I just, what's just ingrained in my brain is what he did to Finn Balor and Kevin Owens that summer, a couple of years ago where yeah. they were positioning Braun Strowman as this unstoppable force, blah, blah, blah. And then he was just jobbing out their other top young baby faces that actually had long-term potential. And it was just, Braun, it's very hard to make people suspend enough disbelief to believe that he can lose matches. And now you're going to see, he's going to run through a lot of guys that we all like, and that's just part of the deal. That is part well, of the deal of having I mean, Braun Strowman matches. Like, he's going to beat Cesaro in seven minutes, or maybe three minutes. He's going to uh, beat the guys yeah. that you like. He'll beat Daniel Bryan in five minutes and a half. Like, he's going to beat the guys that we enjoy watching wrestle very quickly, and... <laughs> It's just going to get old, and I think this is going to lead to an eventual heel turn for him because I think people are going to get sick of this. Tired of it. And yeah, and I think he's going to get drunk with power and all that, and yeah. then somebody will beat him, and I think that feud, when he eventually drops as a heel, will be very good. I mean, I think, like, look, for all the shit that people give Big Show, and I've given Big Show shit over the years. We all have, right? Big yeah, Show, and I... <laughs> but here's the thing, and I read this, you know, I read a good you know, piece with him recently about his whole, you know, surprise appearance every week. Big Show understood what his role was, which, and it's, it's a hard role to play, which is you are the big guy in an ideal world. If you're being used well, you are the transitional champion. You are the break glass, a case of emergency. We need someone with this guy to feed with. He looks imposing. He'll get somebody over to understand that role and be able to inhabit that role for as long as big show did. And Kane has done it very well at times as well. Like we, the public are not going to enjoy most of their matches, I think Braun is more interesting in the ring than either one of them because he's more athletic than either one of them. But Braun will be in that role the rest of his life because of his size. Of just He can't ever be the guy, but you can use him in a lot of ways that are interesting as long as you put a time cap on any time he's on top. That's a hard role to play. Where WWE fucked it up was when he was white hot and he should have gotten over Brock. Uh, it wasn't Rumble, right? Oh, it was disagree. a December pay-per-view. Yeah, we always disagree on this, but I'm sorry, man. Brock didn't need anything. They were, had built up Braun so much that if you gave him that belt and you let him drop it at Mania, it would have done a lot of good for him and it would have done a lot of good for whoever gave the rub on at Mania. Brock didn't need another title reign to last for however many more months it did until he dropped it to somebody that I forget about. I dropped it to Seth, right? I don't even remember because everything Brock does is the same time loop over and over again. It wouldn't have done anything for him to keep the belt. It would have legitimized Braun in a way that this title won't, because here's the other rub. Like, I agree with you. He's going to run through a lot of people and it's going to look bad. Here's the real problem. 
it's not just that he's doing that. It's that he's doing it with a mid-card belt. If you do that and you're the top guy, then everybody's like, okay, well, you know, it's the top belt. And everybody's going to hold it. And there's this giant fucking guy who has the title. I get that. If you do this in the mid-card, then you're just burying anybody who has a chance to move up. And that's why this is a bad idea, even if I would love to never watch Shinsuke Nakamura hold, hold the title again. Uh, but you know, I get there. They should have been seen so badly that it's like, whatever, like really, like I could sit here and I could go, it's bad. But then at the end of the day, I think about the, you know, the idea of Shinsuke holding it any longer. And I'm kind of like, I just don't care about God. You hate Shinsuke Nakamura, just nuclear heat right here. Look, I always, even at his heyday in Japan, I know I like, I know he was strong style and I'm, I will fully admit that I'm not like strong style is not my favorite style to watch. But there are people who do strong style a lot better than that guy did. Like when they called him the king of strong style, I was like, Jesus, Tommy End, a.k.a. Alistair Black, was much better at strong style than Shinsuke Nakamura ever was. But then you get to the yep. WWE, and what, he, like, what has he done in the WWE that was that exciting? I'm going to answer this question because the question and the answer is always the same. I asked this question, and everybody says, oh, oh that NXT match with Sami Zayn. Go watch that match. Sami Zayn was carrying him. Because Sami Zayn's really good, and now Sami Zayn is that guy's mouthpiece. And then, you know, to be fair, like, he did get over in the beginning because NXT is exactly the type of crowd where he's going to get over, and people are going to like him. And he had momentum going to the roster, and they did kill it further. But it doesn't change the fact that every Sinsuke Nakamura match is the same match. It's exhausting. I, there is nobody I like watching less who is in a more prominent spot than that guy. So, by all means, take the belt off of him. But, you know, like, yeah. What a promo we're gonna... for Mike Pellucci here. On the, yeah, I, uh, I, the, I know. Just the... <laughs> Well, it was nothing vindicated me more than like people always used to say I'm crazy, but then like a couple of years got by in WWE out of once again, especially once he got out of NXT and we're like, oh, he didn't look that great. I'm like, yeah, yeah, he's not that great. He's fine. He's okay. But uh, so that 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 you know that IC title scene has been so stagnant that it's like you know what? If nothing else, because people love Braun and because people care at least in the short term, and then eventually when he loses it as a heel, there will be something compelling. It's not going to be great, but I, the, did you care about anything Nakamura was doing with that belt? Oh, no, but I also don't really care about anybody on SmackDown. Like, that show is just, it exists. Um, there's nobody <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm really invested in. Like, it's hard for me to get upset about any of that. I do love reading the weekly reports of the revival turned down uh, a billion dollars from the WWE uh, <laughs> this week. Uh, it's oh, speaking just, of teams doing? that... Yeah. They, they're probably going to go to AEW if they leave. That's my guess. I mean, God, we've been, they've been teasing I mean, yeah, them in the like, Bucks for years. Why is the company still doing this? Why would you think that um, the company is, or that they would resign when you turn them into comedy jobbers? You go back and forth on whether or not you want to. Because they don't them. want like, the other company, because we're, we're in a redux of the 90s again. You don't want the other company to have something and make you look stupid if they turn that something into something good. I mean, literally, the bit, like, I mean, if, if you want proof of concept, the guy who founded the company, they thought Cody Rhodes was a mid-card jobber, and then Cody was able to do his own thing, and look at Cody now. Holy shit, breaking so, news in the podcast. Yeah, right? So, you no, know. no, 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 I got breaking news for you, Mike. Oh, actual breaking news. Okay, what? Alexa Bliss is dating Ryan Cabrera. The pop singer Ryan Cabrera, who was relevant yes. 15 years ago. You want you, okay. on the way down, Ryan Cabrera. On the way Chase. down, I Chase. found you. you uh, so saved before me from myself, yeah, yeah. Oh, I know it. I know it. Before Chase and I went on the air, uh, I had mentioned we were talking basketball, and we discussed Atlanta Hawks center Dwayne Dedman. And I mentioned that like I've actually like, covered him a little bit when I was covering basketball. And he's like, "Oh, I didn't know you like had some obscure personal like 
connection to Dwayne Dedman or some professional connection to Dwayne Dedman before he was an NBA player. I will trump that with this. Brian Cabrera went to my high school, Dallas Jesuit. Oh. Good story. Yeah. Uh, so especially, especially when I was in school, you know, I graduated 05. I think Cabrera maybe graduated like 02 or something like that. So like, you know, it was like a much bigger deal back then. It was like, oh, look at our guy, like becoming a pop star. I legit didn't know what that guy was doing for the last like six years, but apparently he's dating Lexa Bliss. And I hope they're happy. Poor Buddy Murphy. Even though he's in a great spot. Buddy Murphy's career is though, that Seth is so good as a messiah and that stable. Actually, yeah. cool. I'm going to say something positive oh, about I the company it. this week. They are really I, I, good. I, Seth Rollins yep. is a very good, maniacal, like, yep. uh, what was the guy's name? Alex Jones? No, what's the other one? What's the, the crazy priest um, who makes you drink the, the, red, the red cup? What is his name? What was, uh, oh, uh, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, David Koresh? No, the, the guy, the Jones, the guy who's just the, the cult leader. What was his name? What's well, the guy I think they David Koresh of the Branch Davidians. Oh, I don't, I don't know. know. I, I'm losing my mind. Who cares? But anyway, he's really good at being a just a insane martyr yeah. type. Like he's very good in this role, and this Raw, is really good for Buddy Murphy because he needs Raw something is to so, do. Yeah, well, and like the and we talked a while ago about like just taking people, taking parts that you don't use otherwise, putting them together, putting them around someone who's a star, and the shine rubbing off. Like the example we used was like that. Every use Akira Tozawa. They never use uh, Apollo Crews. They're real-life best friends who are an interesting tag team in Japan called the Monster Express. They're both athletic and fun in the ring. Why not throw them together and try? Well, this is your perfect example. You take Rollins, who is so great as a heel, like mediocre babyface, fantastic as a heel. Uh, let's take these two giant dudes we don't have anything to do with and we never know what to do with make them as muscle. And let's take a guy like Buddy Murphy, who everybody watches, loves, but just doesn't have direction. And poof, like you have something great. Like, Raw has a lot going for it right now, which is not a thing we've said in years, literally years, but there's a lot going on. He's in the same um, Guevara role, which is really good for him. Yeah, yeah, and I'm, I'm pro Buddy Murphy and I'm pro Sammy Guevara, so this is, this is great. Um, the thing we should talk about before we, before we sign off is, uh, I'm, what are your thoughts on the Killer Cross thing? He's really good, and yeah. I'm interested to see like, if he goes to NXT by all accounts, that's what it seems like. But I would probably hotshot him. NXT just has too many people. Like, there's just too many people going on on this product. I I would definitely call up some of their NXT women because Bianca Belair. I don't, I don't know what else Whew, to do. She's here. awesome. Um, but she needs to be on the main roster. Like her husband. Yeah, she's on so Raw, good. Put her on Raw. The Women's Royal Rumble was like two thirds NXT stars. Like, <laughs> if you want to just see how thin the main roster is. Um, right now yeah i do, I, I do think it's just, there it's need bad. to be some women that are called up um i so here's my thing with killer cross because i agree with you he's great and it dawned on me this morning when i was thinking about him we were and we knew we were to talk about him uh so killer cross if you don't know is about 6'3 245 pounds like mm-hmm. built built dude very good in the ring very athletic but he's got this very intense almost borderline creepy intensity that is very hard to face he's got some batista in him a little bit, but like, I mean, he's more compelling as a character to me than Batista was. Batista just works because he's, you know, I don't know. Like, uh, Batista, the actor, to me, was much better than Batista, the character, as a wrestler. Um, but the thing that dawned on me this morning was, you know why Killer Cross is so great? Because, like, on face value, it's like, well, duh, they want him. He's huge and jacked and, like, interesting. The reason he's so great for them specifically is they have tried this exact archetype of a wrestler, that type of weird 
charisma and intensity and almost a little creepy in a body like that. They have tried it with Lars Sullivan. They have tried it with Mojo Raleigh. Oh, it has failed miserably, but that's what they've done. They have wanted not just Killer Cross's, like, art, they, they've wanted literally Killer Cross. They have tried to make this a thing with two other people who are not nearly as good as he is. So to me, you know, you never know how they're going to push these dudes, but this is a guy who first time in a long time, like I know immediately I'm like, Oh, he's going to be big because they've wanted to push this exact character. And they just have dudes who failed at it because they're not good. Now they have this exact character with somebody who's meant to play it. I think he's going to be really big. Like, and I, I can't remember the last time I said that about WWE signing where I was sure about it, or, but I really think he's going to be huge. And he has the ready-made thing too, of if you want someone with him, Scarlett Bordeaux, who's his girlfriend who was signed to NXT a few months ago, uh, he, they can always pair them together as well if they don't want him to just be a single by himself, even though he totally can be and talk for himself and all that. But yeah, I think I think he's going to be huge. I think really big. Um, I wonder if they call him Killer Cross. Do they rename him? I think there's a decent chance. I, they might just call him Kevin Cross. That's that's been a thing before. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, you know, just Killer I, Cross I feel like seems they, pretty. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if this company does that. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. Um, the other thing too, I didn't realize, uh, but they signed Timothy Thatcher, which is interesting because uh, Timothy Thatcher has links with a ton of people. I mean, he uh, had a lot of matches alongside. He was in a stable called Catchpoint, and he wrestled with Drew Gulak and Matt Riddle. He was in something called Ring Comp, which was the precursor to Imperium with Walter and uh, um, uh, Marcel Bartel. So I wonder what they're going to do with him. Um, he was always my least favorite of that group to watch because he's the most pure old school grappler there is. But him tagging with Walter, oh my God. There, was, there are a few things in the world as fun as watching the two of them together. Uh, I was at a PWG show where they were wrestling and they, all Timothy Thatcher was doing was standing on the ramp era standing on the apron and just the other team just was like one of the dudes is trying to look hardcore and was like taking his shirt off. He's like, come on, Walter chop me. And of course, like the sound of the damn chop in person is so loud. It's like a gunshot. And Tim Thatcher is this very stoic guy. He's just standing on their apron, just laughing. He's like, why would you do that? Why would anybody but Walter do that? It was great. So I'm interested to see what they do with that guy. Uh, you know, Killer Cross is clearly the marquee, but I think Tim Thatcher will be doing some stuff. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think um, this is going to be fun. More signings, uh, so we'll we'll have to see what happens. But yep. Mike, this has been great. I appreciate the time as always, sir. Is there anything you would like to plug before we get out of here? Uh, no, just read the Athletic Dallas, where I am deputy editor, and I also write. I did a story on Bob Stoops and Landry Jones reuniting in the XFL this week, um, which was in a surprisingly little emotional piece of their journey back together. Uh, so yeah, at Mike Like Sports on Twitter, all one word, and that's about it. All right, Mike, keep up the great work, sir, and we will argue about wrestling very soon. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. All right, that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Thank you uh, to the wonderful guests for coming on today's show. Thank you uh, to my wonderful listeners for listening to today's episode. Uh, I greatly appreciate it. Um, If you like today's episode, leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple. It would be great. Um, It helps the show continue to grow, and I would very much appreciate it. Uh, You can also support the show on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. For as little as $5 a month, it helps the show keep the lights on. So that would be a great help to me as well. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Chase Thomas. You could go to ChaseThomasPodcast.com, which 
has all of my stuff, all my episodes ever, um, links to everything that you need, um, and all of my writing that uh, I'm doing fairly often these days um, on the NFL, on NBA, on college football, on pro wrestling. I write about everything. I write a lot. Um, so go read me on that front. So if you're not tired of listening to me, you can also read me. Um, so that's awesome. But uh, I think that's enough self-promotion from me for one episode. Uh, I hope you continue listening. That would be great. And uh, I will talk to you all again very soon. Thanks, guys. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.